People in the audience weren't ready for Stanley Kowalski. The critics of theater weren't ready for Marlon Brando. He took the stage by storm. And after that, he took the film world by storm. Sit back. Relax. I hope you enjoy this episode of The Actors Room. This is episode number 99. Here we go. December 3rd, 1947, Broadway, New York City. The cast. Blanche was played by Jessica Tandy. Mitch by Carl Malden. Stanley by Marlon Brando. And Stella by Kim Hunter. Opening night went fine. Critics liked it. And they even mentioned Marlon Brando gave a fine performance. But I don't think they quite knew the monumental, oh, I don't know, moments that they were witnessing. Yes, it was a good play. Written by Tennessee Williams, he'd had success in the past. But this play had an actor that changed the art form forever. Yes, there was Paul Muni, Humphrey Bogart, Monty Clift, and they did magnificent work. Clift, very similar, method actor. You believed him. But Brando, there was something else. What was it? People that saw Brando on stage before Streetcar thought they were seeing a stage crew member come on the stage. Well, what does that mean? What, why is that kid walking around the stage? He must be lost. No, that was Brando. And why did they think it was a stagehand? Because he looked too natural, too real. It was something different on the stage that Marlon Brando gave the world. Because before that, Actors emoted, they acted, they played, and looked pretty fake for the most part. And I'm not saying all of them did that, but most of them, that was just the style. Brando gave something new. And some, they they didn't know what was going on. Stanley Kowalski was a figure in the play that wasn't supposed to be the main character. It was Blanche. Blanche Dubois. And Jessica Tandy had a firm grip on that character. A, a marvelous actress. Uh, her husband was Hume Cronin. 
and they'd known each other for a long time, did great work in the theater. And she had a firm grasp on Blanche. Blanche is the main character in this production, no doubt about it. She had the most lines. It's centered around her. Stanley was just a supporting role. And this will prove my point on how he changed acting forever. And this will be a good example. Brando was doing so well as Stanley through the progression of the production. Now, mind you, it took Brando a few months to get going. And when he did, he flew. And now the play was being tilted, changed. Brando was so good that Stanley was becoming the main character in the plot. This is not a natural thing. And mind you, it's been done before in other movies and TV productions where, here's a good example. Family Ties in the 80s, the TV show. That show primarily started with the parents being the main characters and the plot lines revolving around the Keatons, the parents. Michael J. Fox was so good in his role. So magnet, what's the word, uh, magnetic and interesting that the audience gravitated towards him more than the parents. <laughs> and now tilted that show forever. Family Ties went from the parents being the main focus to Michael P. Keaton. And that's why it was successful. Good show, but went over the top with the great performances of Michael J. Fox. So this is kind of similar in this case, but a very rare case because this is a play. This isn't a show uh, on TV where you can change it week to week. This is a play written by Tennessee Williams. Blanche is the main character. Stanley is the supporting character. Audience members were coming out to see Brando. Tandy was good, but Brando was better. So, Streetcar, Name Desire, 1947 on Broadway. Brando became the star. Critics didn't see it right away, but the audience members did. And for the next two weeks, or three, we're going to talk about Streetcar, and we're going to talk about Brando. The 100th episode is around the corner. It's here. And we're going to kick it off with Streetcar at 99 and continue on next week with Brando. Streetcar is significant to me. And as much as I love The Godfather and On the Waterfront and Julius Caesar, Guys and Dolls, Even Superman, for Christ's sake. I think he gave a great performance in Superman. Reflections of a Golden Eye. All magnificent films as far as performance by Brando. Streetcar. It, uh, 
Oh, man, the moments he gives. The moments. I heard, I, how does he do it? How did he do it? Now, there are many actors that followed in his footsteps and are doing great work today. Brando kicked it off. He did. Watch A Streetcar Named Desire. It's a long film. And at times, it drags. Yeah, a little boring. Some of the scenes with Blanche and Mitch. Sorry, Carl Malden. I love you. I do. But there are some scenes between Mitch and Blanche. You just, you just want to fall asleep a little bit. <laughs> Mitch is so sweet, a character. And Carl Malden is such a sweet man. It, it plays so well. Uh, but at times, a bit corny. Uh, Tennessee wrote it that way. And Carl played it that way. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the plot too much. But let's put it this way. Blanche is going insane. She's losing her mind. She's been through uh, a lot. And she comes to visit her sister Stella in New Orleans. Uh, she had lost the farm, the property. When the parents died, Blanche had to take care of shit. Stella decided to leave and marry Stanley. So Blanche was left alone and lost her mind slowly. Well, now she's coming back to Stella with mind gone. Uh, Blanche had done uh, unethical things <laughs> back home that come out later in the film. And Stanley is a rough, tough, son of a bitch asshole. Brando had a hard time uh, getting into this character. Uh, although Brando himself, and we'll get into Brando uh, personal stuff next week. And the week after that, it'll be a couple weeks. There's so many things I missed out. Talking about Brando in the very beginning of this podcast. Filed, what, four years ago? That we'll get into next week. Uh, some personal things that you're going to be like, okay. <laughs> Oh boy. But that was Brando. And you won't be surprised. Uh, you may be shocked. <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh, and then you think, oh, these Hollywood people. Okay, I get it. Um, anyway. Uh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I lost my train of thought because it's starting to rain outside. Uh, it rained earlier, it stopped. Sun came out, and I thought, oh, this is a good time to do my podcast. It's not raining anymore. So I, I hope you don't hear the rain banging off of my house. And it is right now. We needed it. Um, getting back to Streetcar. Okay. I can only imagine how wonderful it would have been to see this on Broadway. To see Marlon Brando, a young Brando, just... Nailing every scene. And I know you don't nail every scene. Oh, as good as Brando was. He didn't nail every scene. He just... You, had, you have good days. You have bad days. You have magnificent days. And you have shitty days. Um, and some of these method actors bring their day to the theater. <laughs> um, and I'm sure it just would have been a treat to see... An historic production. Because that's exactly what Streetcar was. It was historic. It was historic when it came out in 47. In New York. And it was historic. When it reached the screen. In 1951. Both of these productions. 
were directed by Aliyah Kazan. He wanted to do this Tennessee Williams play. He read the script and was fascinated with the prospect of bringing it to the stage. And Kazan had done film and a lot of stage work in the past, was in the group theater, and he started his career as an actor. So he knew how to uh, work with actors as a director. An actor looks up to a director when they're stuck. And actors like Brando needed Kazan, where other actors like Jessica Tandy didn't. Maybe for a few things here and there, technical things. But Tandy knew what she was doing. Okay, uh, studying uh, abroad in England and whatnot, she was theatrically trained. Uh, she had great technique, uh, and she just knew her part in the theater. Brando, on the other hand, didn't. He was young, he was raw, he was full of talent, but full of question marks, full of fear. And as an actor, that's valuable. Being afraid is something that an actor has within them, and they can use it. And bring energy to their character. And although Brando didn't identify with Stanley Kowalski. uh, The character that ate food off the floor. Right? A baboon. An ape. The Polak. (laughs) And I resent that by the way. I'm Polish. Okay? Kowalski. I'm a Tarowski. Okay? We don't eat off the floor. We're not dicks. (laughs) We do love to eat. (laughs) We do. Uh... Kabasi, sauerkraut, all that stuff. We love it. We do, I don't know. It's in our blood. It's so fucking good. But Brando was able to slowly make his mark in the theater with Kazan because Kazan allowed him to do that. The producers of the show would come on and watch the rehearsals of this and were concerned about Brando. Brando would <clears throat> go through the readings in rehearsal and mumble. People couldn't even understand him because he wasn't comfortable yet. He didn't know Stanley. So he wasn't confident to say his lines. He would just, he didn't want to say them wrong. When it was his, his turn to say a line, he's, but what, Brando? And you get that uh, marble in the mouth thing, they call it. Well, Brando was great at that. He would mumble his way through rehearsal while trying to get into the skin of his characters It wasn't just a Got it Some actors do that They're that good Got it Brando would slowly uh, Would slowly Not become Stanley But it was an evolution A fusion Of the man Marlon Brando Whatever that is <laughs> And that's a complicated one Whatever that is into Stanley Kowalski, a character he didn't know that was written on uh, a text on paper by Tennessee. But Tennessee couldn't uh, like put a disc or some sort of chip into Brando's brain and say, there's Stanley. It's now in you. Go for it. St- uh, Brando had to uh, do little things like stay up all night in the theater. He'd sleep there. He'd get his cot, he'd put it on stage, and sleep in the theater. He'd work out in the theater. Stanley was a bigger guy. And Brando would work out, get big muscles, play the role, make it look right. 
He's feeling it out. It took weeks, possibly months, for Brando to finally be comfortable in a way, as comfortable as you can be in a character. And that's what he did. This is important because actors before this, although may have dabbled in that, that stuff, Brando needed the molding of his teachers, his directors, producers and writers too. They were all sort of his family because his personal life, his family was just a mess. And he took on the, the family uh, theater life. He acted like a spoiled brat sometimes, but he was always welcomed back because he was a likable guy. Carl Malden has said this. Carl Malden played Mitch in the original Streetcar and worked with Brando before that in Truckline Cafe. He knew Brando, young in his career, and said that Brando was a good kid. He had issues, like most theater people do. <laughs> but he was enduring. And he tried hard. He wanted to do it right. And Carl and Marlon would goof around on set. And Jessica Tandy was called the mother hen of the production, keeping the boys in line. Brando and Malden would screw around and have fun, giggle, throw things, make fun of people. And Jessica Tandy would tell them to be good. <laughs> and Brando and Malden would walk back to their dressing room. They shared the same dressing room, Malden and Brando, for years. And Brando would walk back with Malden to the dressing room and go, Mother Hen is at it again, that, that bitch. <laughs> Brando and Tandy did not get along on the set, uh, the stage, whatever you want to call it. Tandy was very professional. Brando was on the other end of that. <laughs> Brando wasn't very professional, folks. He did what he wanted. He did it his way. And there were people he respected. But. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I think Brando liked Malden though. He saw Malden as sort of a father figure. Um, they would hang out. Not a lot. But they knew each other throughout their entire lifetimes. Connecting here and there. Although distant at some times. Brando kept touch with Malden. And I find that to be interesting because Malden really isn't the type of person that Brando would hang around with because Malden was very straight-laced. I mean, he was as close as you can come to a leave-it-to-beaver actor. I mean, that was him. Hardly drank. Didn't smoke, really. He didn't go out to parties and get drunk and just be on that side of Hollywood. That wasn't Malden. Where Brando was all over the place in his life. And it related to his role as Stanley. Because you have all this stuff in a person. Good and bad. The worry. The hurt. The fear. The talent. And his innate ability... To become, in the best way possible, Stanley Kowalski. An unlikable character in theater history. But Brando took him to heights that even Tennessee Williams, the writer of this production, had no idea could reach. He did it. 
He did it with style. He did it with grace. And he did it with his talent. And if you don't believe me, watch A Streetcar Named Desire. Because as you hear the rain behind me, (laughs) it's not a rain machine. It's rain. Okay. (laughs) If you watch that movie, because we're talking about both the theater production and the movie this week of Streetcar. And of course, you can't watch Brando on stage in 1947. (laughs) But then you watch the movie. He does things that... I mean, I watched it and I went, he's so, in as many times as I've watched Streetcar, it's got to be about 30, maybe more. Because the movie itself, overall, I, it's okay to me. I, I watch it to see Brando. And Kim Hunter is very good as well. Malden too. In the movie. Um... And of course, Vivian Lee plays Blanche. Uh, Jessica Tandy uh, wasn't fit to play Blanche for the film. Uh, the producers wanted Vivian Lee, who is uh, Larry Olivier's wife at the time. Larry was always around the set because he didn't want Brando having sex with uh, Lee. <laughs> Brando was like a freaking panther of sex. And would uh, pounce on almost anything that moved within reason. And Brando wanted to fuck Vivian Lee so bad, he said. And this is from Brando. Brando says, I wanted to fuck Vivian Lee so badly back in 1951 that my teeth ached. His teeth actually ached. <laughs> I thought it was your loins, but... That Brando, he, 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 he wanted it <laughs> and he didn't get it. And that fucking, oh, it bothered him. Now it became a game, right? <laughs> Not only like was Larry Olivier Lee's husband, <laughs> but a great actor as well. One of the best. You got Brando and Olivier, two of them, the best of all time. And Vivian Lee, uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, she was pretty high. Don't get me wrong. Um, But Vivian Lee in Streetcar. eh, eh, I think Jessica Tandy would have done such a better job. Uh, uh, Vivian Lee was definitely sexier. No doubt about it. And Brando says that. He preferred Vivian Lee, of course, over Tandy. Because Lee was hotter. And Brando wanted that. Get me that. Come here. No, no. You wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> and Olivier's I know you're not. Try me. Buddy. <laughs> yeah, which is weird because I always figured uh, Olivier to be gay. Uh he I I thought that he was. And when I found out he was married to Lee, it's like, okay. And when doing, doing research on Olivier a couple of years ago. It all made sense to me. He just kind of acted effeminate at some times. And early in Olivier's life would play female roles a lot when he was a kid. So I think that just sort of happened that way. It became a part of his sort of makeup was to be a bit feminine. Uh, But Vivian Lee, 
as Blanche. Okay. I think she did an okay job. I, I know the character is supposed to be theatrical. Okay. Full of drama. Got it. Got it. Got it. But she went a little over the top. And I really don't like those performances when you go too far out there. It's like, uh, But she did have some nice moments, though. She did. Uh, she had a few moments with Brando that were quite good. But is that Brando sort of, you know, just rubbing off on you? <laughs> I mean, just being around that guy and his greatness. That some of that greatness sort of seep out of him and uh, fly onto you for a brief moment in time. Sure, it's bound to happen. When you're acting with a phenomenal talent like a Brando, they're giving you so many great things. And although he's reacting off of you and everything around him, he was just great at that. Uh, He was able to identify with his character so much that in Streetcar you see him sort of acknowledge everything else around him, which is very hard to do uh, because you're just not thinking that way. You're thinking about other, other things. I, I hope I'm doing this right. Uh, I, I hope I don't stutter on this line. I, you shouldn't be doing that when you're acting. You, you should be so free in what you're doing. Like the lines, you don't think about them. They just come out. It's like you don't even know you're saying them. They're just, they happen because you're reacting and they come out. And he was so good that you would see him, he would be, he had rings on in the production. And he'd be given his dialogue and he'd listen and you'd see him fiddling around with his ring on his finger. He's just fiddling with it. Just playing with stuff. Uh, when he eats and acts, it's so real. I, I know Brad Pitt does that now and other actors do some weird things. Like uh, an example is... Just the other day, I was watching Dabney Coleman, and he would always chew gum. Like, Burt Reynolds did that. Is that a trademark thing? I don't know. But little things like that. Brando was able to uh, separate from his technique that he learned, and then make it something else. Something new. You can't teach that sort of stuff. Where you fiddle around with your rings. Or you look at something else in the room instead of concentrating solely on your uh, scene partner. Like you're just looking at them all the time. That's not real life. You're having a conversation. Like I just had a conversation with my wife downstairs. We were talking about school stuff for our kids. And in our conversation, she's at the table. She's got her computer out. She's working. She took a break. And she's talking to me about Madeline. And I'm listening, and I'm looking off in the other room because uh, Lexi was doing something. You know, as so I'm looking this way, she's talking to me. She's looking at her computer, filling around with some pens, and not looking at me all the time because that's just life. She's got stuff around her we would call props, like a computer, pens, other things, headphones. And I had been in the kitchen I just gave the dog a bath, so I have like shampoo and, and, and towels and suds in the air. I'm looking at the little bubbles. I'm looking in the other room. Lexi's being loud. That's life. We're not just looking at each other in a scene. Look, Amy, how are you? I heard that Madeline had uh, books that she had to pick up at school today. And then Amy looks at me and says, yes, Jeff, she did. Uh, she forgot to pick those up. I'm not happy about that. 
that's bad acting. And that's how some actors sound when they're doing their scenes. Because they're awful, they're thinking too much, they're playing too much into a technique. You just got to let it go. Be comfortable with what you're doing and let life happen. Let you be you. That's what Brando did. That's what was so important about Streetcar. Because I, I think that's the first time, really, from, from my perspective, in film, people saw Brando. He did The Men. I think a year before that, maybe two. Good film. His first film, Brando, was The Men. And then Streetcar. And people knew the success of the Broadway production. And were interested to see it come into play on film. Just because it did well on Broadway doesn't mean it's going to do well on the screen. But it did. Got a lot of nominations for Oscars. Uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actresses, Best Actors. Uh, I believe Malden won. And don't quote me on that. I should have looked that up. Bad on me. (laughs) Um, But a significant film. A Streetcar Named Desire. Broadway, 1947. Film, 1951. That was a long time ago, man. (laughs) Uh, Brando passed away when he was 80. Uh, Malden passed away about 10 years ago. I was in touch with him uh, a few months before he died. He left me a message on my answering machine. He said he would call back, and he never did. He was—he sounded sick. He wanted to talk to me about Brando. Isn't that... Oh, I would not have wanted to hang up the phone with Carl Malden. Malden loved Brando. Loved. No doubt about it. You see Malden talk about Brando... He's giddy. He did that to people. It's kind of weird. <laughs> when an artist does something that's so amazing. And you're in that same profession. Something that you're trying to reach the heights of on your own. And you see this guy just doing things. Like Malden said. He's like, I'd watch this kid. And back then he was a kid. Watch this fucking kid (laughs) walk on stage and you'd see the audience sort of become, you know, come really interested. How does he do that? He said, (laughs) what did he do? How did he do that? What is he doing? Can I do that? And then Malden said he'd see him in rehearsal and he struggled so much. You're thinking, This plate is going to bomb. What are we doing here? This kid is going to fuck everything up. I pray to God. You know. He pulls it off. He gets it. And this thing isn't a complete disaster. And then the next day. He come in. And he do a scene. It was so good. And Malden would say. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And he knew then and there, he was witnessing something special that was important to Malden. And maybe why he got giddy. <laughs> like a little schoolgirl. His cheeks would get all red and rosy. Little pigtails would spout out of his head. 
God, it was so funny too when I watched this about a week ago. <laughs> my wife's watching it with me, and she goes, "Oh my, oh God, we haven't seen this in a while. Nice." And she looks at the screen, and she looks at me, and she goes, "I'll tell you something. <laughs> that Brando guy, he can wear a shirt." <laughs> He's ripped in that movie. He is. He's got that. You know, he just looked uh, fit. <laughs> and I was just like, that's so funny. <laughs> he exuded, um, I don't want to say a sexuality, but more like a, a raw, okay, yeah, a raw sexuality uh, that even a straight man cannot deny. In many popular straight actors have said the same thing. They watch Brando and his streetcar named Desire and are like, that is one sexy son of a bitch. How does he do that? It just That's just who he is. Some people just have that. Another thing you can't teach. These are genes you get from your parents. Okay? And if you're confident enough in you, that makes it even more uh, sexy. Right, ladies? When guys are confident, that's sexy. Girls don't want to see wimpy, shy, bashful guys. Although some like that little puppy dog thing, most women go for the guys that have the edge. They have the look, like I said, that edginess, that raw sex. (laughs) Very appealing, I guess. And guys, they see it too. Um... And he did that here. Like no other actor before. Just didn't. This was vital. In the art of acting. Not only did he have talent. Not only was he not afraid to go there. Not only was he playing off moments so beautifully. He could recognize everything around him. Make sense of that. Play. Have fun. But he was pretty damn good looking too. Doesn't hurt. (laughs) Doesn't hurt, man. He was a good looking guy. And he used that. Not only in his uh, roles. Man, that thunder. Woo! Hey, the atmosphere agrees with me. The weather agrees. This is just a stormy subject. It's monumental that the, that the uh, weather gods have to express themselves. And they're doing it outside right now. Brando did it, man. I can't wait to talk about everything else concerning Brando next week and probably the week after that. My 100th episode will be a Brando redux. Coming at you. Once again in the actor's room. The first time around was uh, if I gave a 1 out of 10, 10 being the best. I think I'd rate the first ones I did. And I'm being generous actually. I give them a 4. I want to do next week, I want it to be like an 8. And if I could make a 9 show, they'd be fantastic. I'm not saying 10's impossible. I'm not. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes I just, I just don't give a good show. I'm off. 
uh, my facts, whatever. <laughs> I just, you know, there's so many little tidbits of stuff. Um, I hope I don't miss a lot of things about Brando because there are things that need to be said. <laughs> uh, things that need to be um, hmm, um, recognized, researched a little more, explained, uh, things like that. And you know me now, okay? Uh, I'm not afraid to talk about other things concerning uh, Hollywood. Uh, we all know that I go there and I hope you're interested in that aspect. I just don't talk about the cheery things and the positive things. And there's a lot of positive in Hollywood. We love the movies. We love TV. They take us away and they make us feel good. Uh, and it also gives us something to talk about with our buddies I was off last weekend, my brother's bachelor party. My brother Dave gets married next weekend. I went out with the guys, just the guys, of course. It's a bachelor party. And we spent like 10 hours talking, talking about movies, actors, uh, shows. And then we talked about politics. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was fun. We talked about life. We talked about our kids. I mean, what a great, I just, I love great conversations. I'm still paying for it today. <laughs> I was up really late. I was laughing my ass off, yelling, just with passion about certain subjects. And I had a blast. I really did. We rented a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. We could barely find it. We found it. <laughs> but we talked about art. A bunch of guys in their 30s and 40s talking about art. And I took note of that. That weekend, as we're talking about actors, film, I found out a lot of my buddies love Woody Harrelson. Me too. Isn't Woody Harrelson fantastic? There's a lot to talk about with him too, by the way. I can't believe a lot of these guys, they all have like this past. It's... So fascinating. And uh, we'll talk about Marlon Brando next week. I hope you enjoyed this short show on a streetcar named Desire. You don't want to hear me talking about streetcar for two hours. You don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, it's um, basically Blanche, the main character, loses her mind. And she makes the household of Stanley and Stella uncomfortable. Stanley ruled that house. Okay, that was his house. And now he's got his sister-in-law coming in, fucking with shit, drinking his liquor, and they got a baby on the way. Stella's pregnant. And Blanche pretty much hates Stanley. And Stanley won't have it. Having Blanche come in there and telling him how to run his house. Telling Stella, what are you doing with this guy? And he teaches Blanche a lesson at the end of the movie or play by raping her. The rape scene, you don't see it in the film. On stage, I'm sure they, I don't know how far they went with the rape scene. Um, but Stanley is a fucking son of a bitch. Brando nailed it. God bless him. 
Changed acting, no doubt. And we'll talk more about it next week. I hope everybody is doing good. The weather's great. It's raining. It's in my show. That's just part of the show. (laughs) But uh, everything's pretty good here in Cleveland. Summer's fading. Fall is on its way. And I say, yes, sir. Bring it on. I'm done with the heat. Bring on some coolness. (laughs) Gonna watch some horror movies. Can't wait to watch Aliens. Mm. Should be a good time. Good shit. Marlon Brando next week. Hold on tight, folks. If you have any interest whatsoever to learn more about the greatest actor ever. And folks, he was. And I understand you're looking into your device going, I know, right? Okay, that's your opinion. Uh, And I say to you, (laughs) that is not an opinion. Okay. When a person makes such an impact on any profession where it shakes the ground, that is noteworthy. Not too many people do that in the world. Marlon Brando did that with acting. (laughs) That makes him number one in my book. Not number two, not top 10, oh, maybe not top 50, if you're that fucking ridiculous. Anybody out there not putting Brando top 50, you don't deserve to watch movies. I understand you don't like the guy or his acting, and you put him, okay, he's number 49. (laughs) I say you're an idiot. But you have a right to your opinion. And I'm telling you, in all sincerity, you don't get much better, folks. He was the best. And although all of his films weren't masterpieces, and not all of his performances were masterpieces, you're going to swing and miss. And I know, Philip Seymour Hoffman never swung and missed. I get it. And then some will come back at me and say, well, he's the best. And I'm not going to disagree with your opinion on that. Okay, Phil Hoffman was very special. I loved him with all of my heart. But Brando, no, no. I, Hoffman against Brando? No. <laughs> no, sir. There are things Brando did. There is no way Hoffman could have played Kowalski. Sorry. Don't see it. Don't see it. No fucking way. Could Hoffman have done Julius Caesar? Maybe. Maybe. And Hoffman was just amazing. But he was no Brando. Thank you for listening to the Actors Room. Please support the show. Go on to iTunes. Leave comments and reviews. It's been a while. No comments. No reviews. YouTube channel getting bigger. It grows. YouTube. Growing. Love it. Support. Give comments, please. Keep listening. I hope you do. This may not be a popular show. <laughs> I, th- I think the audience looks at the, uh, a streetcar named Desire. What the hell is that? <laughs> is that a song? What is that? A poem? Never heard of it. Not, not going to listen. I hope some do. 
Marlon Brando. I can't wait, man. Again, <laughs> I'm getting a little giddy because I'm into my show now where when I first started it, it was, I didn't know really what I was doing. I was, the way I talked, I was, I don't know. It, it wasn't real. Like, this is more real to me. Like, I'm just talking into the phone and you're going to get some good juicy stuff. Not only about Brando, but the movie business. Yeah, folks, I'm going to go there. Hang on tight. God bless you. Have a good one.